Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My name is Kelsey Abbott. I'm a confidence coach and instigator of joy. I believe that we are all so much more powerful than we can possibly understand. My goal with these conversations is to introduce you to brave, vulnerable people who are finding and owning their awesome. My guests are leaning into what makes them unique and sharing that uniqueness with the world. I hope these conversations inspire you to break free from whatever is holding you back and to step into your own greatness. Welcome to the Find Your Awesome Podcast. My guest today is Amanda Ward. She is a transformational wellness coach and an overall heart-centered, adventurous, amazing, like free-spirited warrior, I'm thinking. This this girl, she's only been in my life like, what, like eight months, but I am so excited to share her with all of you. Welcome, Amanda. Hi, Kelsey. I am so happy to be here chatting with you. So let's start out. How did you get to where you are right now today? Well, that's a big question. It's, a, it's so funny. I heard somebody the other day on an interview asked to tell their macro story. Mm. And that's exactly what I think of when you ask me that question. It's like, oh, what are, the, what are the high points? What are the low points? And what are the big loud noises that got me where I am now? Um, I, uh, well, transformational wellness coach now really comes from kind of having either life experience in a life area that I had to progress through or dabbling in one of the areas that I work in with others. So let me like clarify that a little bit. Um, I went to school to be a counselor, to be a therapist, and I got my master's degree in clinical counseling, and then I pursued a license in that. So I'm a licensed mental health counselor. Um, Quickly realized while in my licensure work to do that, that I was missing parts of my passion. And I knew that because of the things that I had been through in my life, I knew that in order to be mentally well, you also had to be spiritually well. You also had to be physically well. And that was a big one for me. So I pursued my personal training certification and started personal training on the side, finding that the mental health system I was in was very limiting. Okay, you, you create a diagnosis, you develop goals and strategies for reaching, for reaching you know, progress in those areas, and you report that to insurance, Medicaid, whoever, and you call it a day. And you couldn't go certain places with a client. You really weren't allowed to um, prescribe treatment that went outside of the traditional therapy realm. And in personal training, I mean, I'm on a gym floor with somebody helping them push past limits and break through barriers and have real conversations. You know, I'm learning about people's divorces while I'm showing them how to do a proper push-up, And I'm going, wow, why is this so much more effective? And then, you know, kind of just stepping into seeing that happen, I realized that I wanted to do more of that. Um, then I kind of stepped into a little bit more of what you might call health coaching and uh, integrated a little bit more online stuff with my fitness. And that led me to to know that, okay, there are tons of people that need all of these areas of their life touched and I can do that. And so um, I ended up leaving my full-time job in the mental health field and building off of this, you know, tiny online presence that I'd started to create on the side and really have been able to grow that because I think fitness and food specifically are what I might call gateway lifestyle drugs. Like 
you get somebody who wants to lose weight or who wants to be stronger in the gym or whatever, and you, you learn their patterns and you learn their tendencies and you learn what they think is their personality is really their pattern. And when you can connect with them and see that, then you're able to help them, you know, push past that or modify it or figure out what they really want. Um, and so it helps you get to the spiritual, mental, and emotional wellness parts of them as well. And um, that's really where the past probably two years of my business has been evolving in is meeting people in their space, seeing them for who they really are and helping them get comfortable with showing up that way in the world. I love that you just said what they think is their personality is really their pattern. That was a mic drop. That's been such a loud noise for me lately. I can't even tell you almost every client or conversation that I have. It's been the comments about, Oh, you know, my personality or their personality. And I'm going, is that a personality or is that a pattern that you don't see outside of? And when we look at life through patterns, then we, ha- we, we totally tap into our power, you know? Yes. Yes. I mean, what, do you actually know the official definition of personality? I don't. I don't think I know. I, I mean, I think I would probably describe it as the unique characteristics and, and tendencies um, everything from you think about like nuances, like somebody twirling their hair or whatever, those things say things about people. Um, and it is a pattern, but it's there because it's theirs. Mm. I think that kind of stuff can be considered personality. I don't think things like I worry all the time or I'm an overthinker or I overanalyze things. Those aren't personality traits. Those are patterns. Yeah. Yeah. Those are obsessive habits. <laughs> yeah. And we get, we get caught in our, in our habits and we go, Oh, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. You know? And that it doesn't have to be who you are. Is that what it, you like? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's really interesting. Thank you for that insight. Oh, all right. I want to back up. So yeah. what brought you to mental health in the beginning? Okay. Yeah. So way back up. Right. Um, like I, little Amanda. Yeah. Like, okay. Little Amanda she was a middle child. (laughs) So I feel like that says enough, right? (laughs) So, um, so, um, I grew up very uh, hindsight, very blessed, like amazing childhood, right? We can all say that like, Oh, I was really good. What, what, what was wrong with me? But, um, we were not well off financially. So very poor, quite seriously, almost everything we ate came from our farm. Um, and my two sisters and I worked that farm. Like that was our childhood. Like, again, now beautiful experience back then in my little middle child, modern America mind, like I'm missing out on life. I'm different than my friends. I'm weird. Add all that to, I was basically born having a weakened immune system. And so I struggled with a lot of environmental allergies that we fought through bronchitis, pneumonia, all through my first like decade of life that turned into, because back then we didn't know this stuff, but you know, antibiotics on top of medication, on top of all kinds of processed food that you just didn't know was bad for you. Um, All of that kind of turned into what I now know for the past decade of my life I've known is autoimmune disorder. And so when that showed up for me as a child added to this kind of constant thing of, well, I'm different and I, I get left out and I'm a little weird and maybe people don't like me as much as I want them to like me or even worse, as much as I like them. Um, all of that kind of turned into emotional distress, self-esteem issues. Um, I had an eating disorder that I developed all through high school into undergrad. 
Um, definitely a binger and a purger. Never struggled with weight on the outside, the way that the kind of stigma is placed in eating disorder, but it was more of that emotional stuff. Looking back now, I wish that I had had access to the type of information that I have access to now. If I had known that bloated belly was because of the types and way that I was eating, I would have known that I wasn't, I didn't need to starve myself the next day or I didn't need to throw up my food, you know, and that would have been a whole different path of life, right? So emotional distress, you know, unhealthy coping skills, um, very needy child, needy, wanted to be a part of things and, and um, didn't feel I had the voice that I wanted to share with the world. I was stifled. Like, no, don't say that. Don't cry. Don't do that. Very emotional child. Um, and so working through all of that was really, I mean, in high school, I took some intro to psych courses. I fell in love with. I learned things about myself that I wasn't comfortable with, but I knew were there, like empathy <laughs> and um, the ability to have insight into other people and that sort of thing. And so I pursued um, psychology in undergrad while uh, also working through the trials of being a college athlete. And um, that turned into this needs to be bigger because you can do nothing with a minor with a minor degree in psychology. So that's kind of how I fell into the, the therapy realm. All right. And then you as an athlete, is that a lifelong thing? Oh, it's so, so interesting. I think me being an athlete, so started, we did some recreational stuff as kids, very active. You know, our, my, we never were sitting around. We were not television watchers. We were not, you know, video gamers, none of that. It was all, you go out and you work and then you go do this. And so whether it was, I was involved with church skill stuff and activities, or I was playing, like, I think we might've played t-ball and things like that. So no, not an athlete as a child. Uh, there was no time to be an athlete. And then seventh grade my mom had played field hockey in high school and one of my friends said they were going to go out and try the field hockey team. So I begged, let me go. So we did. And that turned into my place to belong, mm. my place to have connections, my place to have people who wanted to have lunch with me that I didn't have to look for. Um, so athleticism was really, it was kind of a comfort and a saving presence for me coming out of middle school into high school. And I didn't really get interested in the athletic part of it until college. And so what's, what's the difference between, how are you defining the athletic part of it? Uh, the, I'm, in it I'm in it to be good at the sport. I'm in it to, to develop skill. I'm in it to, um, for the fitness, for the, that this is good for my body and mind. Um, I think all of that was there, but I, there was no focus on it for me. It was, we're at practice. Coach said, do another one, you know, oh, so-and-so, I want to be a partner with you. Let's hit together, you know, that sort of thing. When I got to college, um, it was that first sense of being alone and not knowing the other girls on the team. So you didn't have that built-in support system. So you, you either had to show up or you were going to be the girl who sucked, you know? So, yeah, I think my lack of skill was always due to lack of confidence. Um, and then... After, after I graduated undergrad, go figure, I got asked to coach a high school team and the USA field hockey elite team in Virginia Beach, Virginia. And all of a sudden I knew how to teach girls how to play hockey when I hadn't shown up that way on the field ever. <laughs> so how was that? How did that feel? It was, it's kind of frustrating, but also validating because it was also, it was looking back going, see, you didn't really suck. 
you could have been so much better. Like you, if you had just, you know, stepped up girl, you know? And so I think it helped me. I think honestly, that was one of the ways that I saw the ability that I have to see into people come to life was I saw these girls, some of them wanted to be there to learn how to play hockey and to be amazing. And some of them wanted belonging. And I was able to see that in them and kind of foster it. What do you feel like you needed? So you started athletics as a way to belong, as a way yeah. to like, it kind of sounds like coming home. Yeah. Yeah. A little bit, kind of a way to have a, a yeah. I think there's no other way to say it than it was my space to, to be accepted in. Right. Okay. So how, I'm wondering, okay, now mm-hmm. as a runner, yeah, yeah. you're not playing field hockey anymore, right? Not really. No. Um, is it still a place of belonging for you? Actually, it's become quite the opposite. And just recently, um, when I, so being somebody who always needed people, I always needed to have people around me to feel like I was somebody. Um, probably into grad school when that all kind of got ripped out from under you, you either had to work nonstop to make the money to live, to survive, but you were also in classes all the time. And there was just no time for that needy child anymore. Um, so probably right around then is when I really started running because I didn't have field hockey anymore to, this is where the physical wellness, again, going back to all these parts have to be working together. And if you leave one of them out, like it's going to show up one day with a big deficit and you're going to need to address it. So grad school, start running to replace the physical aspect of field hockey because all of a sudden, all of these habits that I had developed and, and undergrad is really where I was, you know, full in with the binging and purging. Like I was drinking with friends. I was, you know, eating things that I had never grown up eating, all that sort of stuff. So, oh, all of a sudden that's not, not going to work anymore. Still knowing at that point, I didn't know that those foods affected my body the way that they did. So I thought, oh my gosh, you're going to get fat. Oh my gosh, you know, you've never been fat. You can't do this, right? So I start running. And I remember running my very first race, 5K, and I won money at the finish line. (laughs) And I was like, oh, so this is a thing. You can run? Like, so running became my replacement addiction. Instead of throwing up food, I would run. And I know that's a little graphic, but... That's exactly what happened. I, my field hockey coach actually called me out for my eating disorder in an email. And I wish I still had that email. But she, she said, look, I know you've been doing this. You, this, is, this is not who you are. This is not healthy. If you don't address this and I'll help you, like we have to do something about this. And so I replaced puking with running. Just like that? Like, what was the transformation like? I think it was a very short window. I remember exactly. It's so funny that the moments that stick out in your head. Actually, you know, it was a bit of a long-term transition, but the, the mental part of it was short. It was, okay, you can either drink the bottle of wine and then vomit, or you can go run that neighborhood across the street because it's safe and there are lots of houses and, and you, need a, you need to get out of your head. So I would put earbuds on, music. I mean, it was always like three miles. Three miles did it. And I would run as hard as I could. Um, and I think that's why I developed the propensity to want to be fast because I never just went out and jogged for fun. It was, you have to run this out of your body now. Mm-hmm. And um, so the behavior part, as we know, is so much harder because that is based in patterns. It's based in your brain, you know, your neuro patterns. So trickle throughout the years, 
all the way through probably until I got married, um, there were moments kind of regressions, but it never turned back into a systemic consistent thing. So it sounds like when you started out, you were running away. Oh yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Do you feel like now you're running towards something? Now I run, I, it sounds so cliche, but I run for purpose. I really do. Like running is my time to connect with myself. It's my time to be one with God. It's my time to have that, that kind of, um, you know, spirit dialogue that you don't have to be conscious of. And, um, it's also an avenue for me to provide an example. If that, I don't know, I I don't know how that sounds coming out of my mouth, but I know that (laughs) I know that I enjoy, oh, thank you. I, I know that I enjoy showing people that you can do what isn't comfortable, that mm. you can do things that you didn't think you could do. And not that I can do everything at all, but running has become a vehicle for me. And so kind of back to your original question, running has become my individuality. Whereas I'm even in a community where there's a running group and I, I have never felt the pull I mean, I'm associated with them. I do things with them here and there. Um, we do events together and like a lot of the same races and we go to the same Y and they're beautiful people, but I have never once felt the pull to meet them for a run or to be with them. And, and so it's been very clear to me that running for me is a way to stay in my individuality. If that makes sense. It does so much. And I think it's so interesting Okay. So I think it goes back to your earlier comment about personality versus pattern Yeah, and how we can evolve. Like a personality technically is supposed to be pretty set in stone. It's, it's the things like your parents look back yeah. at you and are like, yeah, you were doing that as a kid. Yeah. And then we've got, um, so when you first started sports, yeah. You were seeking belonging. You yeah. were in it for the social reasons. Mm-hmm. And then to now have evolved. So it's like a place to be in your own lane. Yeah. Yeah. And with yourself. That's amazing. Yeah. And exactly like you said earlier, it, it, at then field hockey was a place for me to come home to as a place for me to belong. Now home is different and I'm okay with it. Like home is back to who I really am. Okay, wait, so what is, how do you get home now? I come back to me and that's weird because I always had to, um, I always had to be with others before, right? And that was home because I didn't have to be me. I could show up in a way that got me a response. I could show up in a way that got me accepted. I could show up in a way that made me feel like I meant something. But over the years, I've been able to come back home to who God made me to really be. And that's such an interesting concept um, because that's, it used to feel like maybe, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like maybe overconfident, maybe arrogant, maybe like self-centered. But I've come to realize that it's probably the most humble way to give honor to my creator. Like, I actually like what you gave me. Thank you. Wow. I know it's weird. This is a beautiful sentiment though. I finally see it that way. It took 30 plus years for me to see it that way. Um, And I think that's probably, that's probably the toughest process when I think about the work I do with clients now is going, loving yourself is not about 
what the world has made it to be, if that makes sense. Yeah, say more about that, please. Um, I think that you just think about uh, what we're kind of influenced to think from, we'll just say media, we'll say mainstream news feeds, all of that sort of stuff is, you know, self-love, like you're amazing, put yourself out there, you know, make an impact on the world. That's all beautiful, but it's all based on an external response. Whereas if you truly get to know who you're supposed to be in life, your core identity, your soul purpose, like that's an awesome thing and only you have that, that's what you should be pumped up and excited and, and nurturing, you know? It's, um, so, so it's really about shifting that, that need for gratification from external to internal. Um, I think about the word peace with self and I think internal stability. Like, this is me and I'm right here in every scenario. I see what okay so mm -hmm. this is the way i see my clients okay they are when they come to me their their body and soul are slightly separate okay and then after we work together they're able to be all one and they are at their strongest most powerful self it's it's at that point that they're able to see themselves they're able to make eye contact in the mirror and just say like i love you and see the the amazingness that they are a gazillion percent yes alignment is a it's an opening it's an opening to what true self-love and true honor is i believe because when we you know you you would you describe that well of i they come to me in their mind and their soul are are in different places and that kind of like the words anxiety angst depression like that's what comes that's what comes from that that disalignment and so we show up with a symptom and it is because I think about like an earthquake, like the plates and the earth shifting, right? Um, and when we can bring all of that into alignment, it's true acceptance and vulnerability and desire to impact. You know what I mean? Because when you come into alignment with yourself, it's this is how it's supposed to be. Oh my gosh, this is now I can truly do and provide and, you know, that whole like, mutually reciprocal relationship we're supposed to have with our fellow humans can actually happen. Right. If we're using, so we can serve from wherever we are. Absolutely. And if we are serving from a place of basically not wanting to see ourselves to constantly look to others to like, Oh, I'll help you. I'll help you. I'll help you. Yeah. So I don't have to look at my own shit. Yeah. There's that. Or there's doing it from this level of like, I got here. Let me tell you, it's awesome over here. Come on, let's do this together. That is so it. It's this, do you know how amazing yeah. life is going to be? Like, do you know how it's supposed to be? Like, this is so cool. We have to get there together. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yes. And then there's also this recognition that like, well, I'm going to actually let you say this in your own words because I realize this is something that you say, okay. but that it's, we're constantly growing. We're constantly moving forward. Yeah. Yeah. We are like, there's this, um, I think this is what you're looking for. It make me giggle a little bit, <laughs> but it's like, we have the cape. So we fight against this nonstop, but it's this ability that we've been given to be content. And I, when I say content, I mean at peace right now, right here in this moment, simultaneous to seeking excellence, like every breath 
is your next self. Every breath is the, so what does that look like? Right? So you can be engaged in becoming the best version of yourself with every single moment of every day and still be in that moment. Mm-hmm. And, and I think what we've done as people is gone, okay, I'm going to set a goal and I'm going to look at that goal and I'm going to work to achieve that goal. And what we end up finding is that we are powering through that we're just trying to make it or that we are never satisfied. And I, I think it, I describe it best. I explain a conversation I had with somebody very close to me, not a client, someone I love very much. And I said, whoa, this week's been busy. So sorry. It took me so long to get back to you. And she says, dude, t- tell me about it. I'm just trying to make it to the other side. And I went like my heart broke because I was like, but what about now? What about now is good. What about now feels a certain way? What, what are you missing by just trying to get to the other side? And when we can develop that, not even ability because it's a constant process, but when we can ad- develop that awareness that we can do both. Yes. Like that's what it is. That's where we start to find alignment. Yeah. We hold that. And that, that like, yes. okay. So actually I was, I listened to the finding mastery podcast. If any okay. listeners don't listen to that, you guys, it's good. Um, and so at the end, Michael Gervais always asks, what's the definition definition of mastery? And this is what I think it is. I think it's accepting and honoring and loving your now and committing to growth and being curious. I totally agree with you. I love using the word honor, um, especially honoring now, but also honoring the growth, right? So how does that show up? I think that's the most difficult part for people is like, what's the applicable way that we do that? Like, I'm so dissatisfied with my current situation. I know that when I get this, then I'll be happy, right? We do that when then thing. But the applicable is look at the patterns, look at the way you're showing up. Does that honor the time that you've been given in this moment? And then does that honor the version of yourself that you believe is possible? So this trickles down to, this is where I get into like the nitty gritty of what I do. I really go from practical to pragmatic, but it trickles down to, okay, what are you putting in your body? How are you like recovering and resting and regenerating yourself? How are you coming home to yourself? How are you sharing that with other people? Like every little behavior that we engage in, that's, that's how we apply it. That's how we show up. Yeah. We are still us in every moment. Yeah. So are we able to be completely aligned, which goes with my word for the word phrase for 2018 is to be on purpose, which I love, which is amazing. I love this journey. It's also exhausting (laughs) because when I'm on purpose for everything. Yeah, it is. But it's so funny when we put in effort and you think about exhausting, when we put in effort, we're rewarded, right? So think about once you put in all this effort and you, what are you going to learn from that? Right? Like, yeah. How are you showing up then? That's our reward. I think also just what you just said, but like, how are you going to learn from that? This journey is about like, if it's about learning constantly. Yeah. Constantly. And sometimes we learn, I did a project, oh, years ago, back when I had a food blog. So like 10 years ago where I um, would share what I learned that day. Mm Mm-hmm. And, you know, sometimes it was something deep and insightful about myself. Yeah. Sometimes it was a little factoid. Yeah. Like that sea cucumbers breathe out of their butts. (laughs) You know, like this world, we've never been in this moment before. We've never been here before. So we're here to learn to figure it out. I love it. 
uh, what is, I forget who says it. There's a, there's a quote and it's like, this is the most amazing day I've never seen before. And that's yes. how I say it when I read it. I'm like, yes. And I think about, have you seen, you don't have children as young, like I have a six year old, Peter Rabbit, they've redone Peter Rabbit. It's, it's great. But there's a rooster and he's like, what? Another day? I thought it was over yesterday. Like, and he just like, it's, that's how he wakes up. That's his cackle in the morning. Oh, I love it. That enthusiasm is what we need. I wake up every day excited and super curious. Like, oh my God, what is going to happen today? Yeah. Yeah. My, um, my dad is, um, my dad's a preacher and he only about halfway through my childhood, that transition was made. So prior to that, this was not the man who was my dad, but um, okay, wait, wait, wait. Can you explain that a little bit? <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So when I was uh, little, I actually just told the story this weekend. Um, when I was little, my, my parents always loved us, but my um, dad was basically an alcoholic. And probably when I, I know the year, but I have no, like, I'm not good with that. I don't know how old I was. Um, but probably, probably like late elementary school, middle school. Um, he started coming to church with my family, got saved and decided it was his calling to be a preacher. And so that was the kind of like we had before and then after. So my life was kind of split in the middle there. Um, very different childhoods. But on this side of that event, um, my dad has always said like his approach to his day is like, God, what do you have in store for me today? Like, I can't wait to bite into this kind of thing. And so that's what that reminds me of. It's kind of this excitement about, okay, what's up? What's, what's coming? You know, mm -hmm. I think of it in terms of like, it's kind of like a, um, an advent calendar. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like what are we opening up today? Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Waking up curious. I like that because it's like my, I have a word for the year as well. It is give. And I feel like it's actually, you said that was exhausting being on purpose. Giving the word give has been hard. Because it's been, it's required you to be intentional and how can I, how can I give and what does giving look like in different scenarios, right? It's just, it doesn't, it's not cookie cutter. But from that, probably I would call it my second quarter word has been open. And when you said I wake up every day curious, this, the past month or so, like that's been my loud word of be open, be open. And it takes us back to that, that feeling of being in alignment when you're in alignment there's no, there's no cutting off of anything. You are open. Right. Yeah. Right. And you said the phrase to me a while ago that I think is so beautiful to give without limitation. Yes. I it's did. not just giving it's giving without limitation. That is my ultimate life goal. So thank you for reminding me of that. It's so beautiful. I'm never going to forget that phrase. No, it's beautiful. All right. <laughs> Let, let's shift topics a little bit. Yeah. Um, where do we want to go? I want to go to wellness. I want to talk about uh -huh. all because this is something you've had for a while. This is part yeah. of you. Yeah. When you're in alignment, yeah. you still have an autoimmune disorder. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's, it's been such an interesting journey. <laughs> and I have to start by saying, I think, unfortunately, so many people deal with I, whether we can call it an like a particularly named autoimmune disorder or not. So many of us deal with autoimmune struggle and do not know it. And I go back to our conversation about me not knowing that the way my body was responding 
was due to this autoimmune difficulty and it has just continued to be to get worse because I didn't know it but I was responding to that response with this mental emotional angst in this disaster area of a person I was so we can save ourselves I think so much distress when we get in touch with our bodies and we learn about wellness the way that it our body needs it and our mind needs it I think um yeah so, so you, how did you figure it out? Oh my gosh. So when I was in college, well, I already said I was sick all growing up, always sick. And it went from bronchitis, pneumonia over and over and over again as a young child to chronic sinus infections as an adolescent into like my college years. And I would just get these sinus infections. We knew what it was. We almost could call the doctor and say, Amanda has a sinus infection again. What now? You know, what antibiotic do we try now? I can't tell you how many Z-packs I took growing up. And um, so what many people are starting to accept and understand is that antibiotics literally strip your gut. So not only are you dealing with an illness, but then you're going in and killing everything that wants to fight the illness, all those good bacteria in your gut. And I was doing that over and over and over and over again. So I was really killing my chances of ever beating the illnesses that I had. Um, and so chronic sinus infection after chronic sinus infection, I was also showing up with like clinical anxiety, clinical depression, did not ever get treated or go to anyone for that. But, you know, I'm in school for it. So <laughs> why would you do that? <laughs> um, and... Uh, I think I was home on, I was home on a break and then I graduated and I think my mom kind of got a glimpse into what my body was dealing with and she didn't know about my eating disorder back then. She didn't know about all the anxieties and things like that, but it was like, you, you're sick too much. Like what's going on here? So she did a little bit of research um, and tripped on the phenomenon of candida overgrowth and candida is a fungus, a bacteria that all of us have in our body and in decent amounts is actually really good for us. But overgrowth happens from feeding it what it likes, which is sugar and processed foods, and taking away the good bacteria that help keep it in check, which is through antibiotics, right? So I, we, we decided just because I'd been to, the part I left out is I'd been to gazillions of doctors, PCPs, endocrinologists, dermatology, all, like anything you could possibly imagine. I also did naturopathic stuff, which I love. Um, but I've done every, I've done it, I've done it all and none of it was resolving. So she said, you know what, we're just going to buy this pill and we're going to put you on this candida cleanse and we're going to see what happens. It's the worst 60 days of my life. That's a really restrictive diet. It was the worst 60 days of my life. <laughs> and looking back, like I learned more in those 60 days than ever anytime, but it was horrible. I remember crouching on the floorboards of my husband's truck, then boyfriend on my birthday headed to go to a nice dinner, you know, across the river. We lived in a small town. You had to go across the river for everything. I'm going across the river for dinner and I'm crouched on the floorboard of truck in intestinal pain. <sighs> I remember it's the clear as day. Like that poor boy put up with so much drama. And, um, and then he married you. I mean, I, I gave him so many chances to get out. <laughs> did. I even told him that once. I was like, you can go. You don't have to stay here. But no, thank God he is, he is my best friend. So. Um, but yeah, so 
you talk about like, I know Herxheimer's syndrome, which is this, what people might call like nowadays, they're calling it keto flu and they're calling it detox. And, but it's a true syndrome and it is like, you develop these disgusting, like we shouldn't talk about it, like responses to the bacteria die off, like all these bad bugs. And then, um, then you basically have minimized, like you've bared down your system. So then you have to rebuild it. And that's like in a, that's, that's a totally different process because what's healthy for one person is not healthy for the next person. And so you really have to trial and eliminate to figure out how you're supposed to be eating. Um, so that was probably step one, huge candida cleanse. All right. So then what? Well, that's funny. Cause that's when, um, grad school, that's when I really started to get into to wellness and, um, I didn't know about the field of wellness that integrated food and nutrition coaching. I only knew to know about wellness through fitness. And so that's the avenue that I went after it in. Um, I became an avid gym goer. I would run to Gold's Gym from my apartment, which was three miles to Gold's Gym. I would work out, see the chiropractor there, do um, hyperbaric oxygen therapy. <laughs> it was so cool. And then I would run home. Um, so this is, I became one of those kind of chronic exercisers from that, which is also not good for you when you have the, this body because, you know, constant cortisol, like that's a stress, you know, stimulant. And then your body doesn't know how to respond to it. And when you have an autoimmune disorder, like all stress is like a life or death situation. It's like, you know, call all troops in, like shut it down. So it was an interesting like roller coastery ride from that candida cleanse probably until um honestly probably until I got pregnant because that's when you pull all the plugs and go mm. nothing matters <laughs> except I have a child inside of me um yeah so where where am I going with that like where are we going with that like well, do you want to yeah. jump ahead to how are you managing it now? Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. So we can totally just say roller coaster. Like, oh, I think I can eat real food again. And then, nope, symptoms come back. Oh my gosh, I have to go back and cleanse again. So I've probably done like a dozen different detoxification programs. Yes, I've done the kind you buy in the store from with the pills. Not so awesome. Yes, I've done the kind where I figure out what cleansing foods are for my body. And um, I've actually developed some programming around that stuff because I've learned that cleansing with real food and nourishment is probably how it's supposed to happen. Um, supporting the system to get back to where it needs to be. Um, so now I, I, I really live in what I might call a cycle. And I was just on, on the line with a client this morning talking about circadian rhythm seasons and how your body is meant to reflect that as well. So just like there's summer, spring, winter, spring, summer, winter, and fall, like our body needs to kind of align with those seasons and we need to get in touch with what's right for us at the right time of the year. Like those seasons aren't their own accident. Um, so I have spent probably the past two years getting in touch with what's right for me at what time of the year. And so I shift and I move. And I'm marathon trained, so that's a part of it too. Like I am putting myself in stress response like four months every, every, you know, every couple of cycles. Um, so I cycle the way I eat. Um, 
at one time you might've called it restrictive, but I have developed this uncanny knack for healthy upgrading things and figuring out how to get what I want with different ingredients. Um, what does that look like for you? Um, like, um, like plantain chips instead of regular people chips, like, um, like using coconut for everything. Like, um, instead of having chocolate, we make fat bombs, like with out of like pure organic, like beautiful cacao and coconut oil and almonds, you know, um, we just, I really deconstruct everything and then try and put it back together with things that I can consume and process. I totally, when I first went gluten free, it wasn't that popular. So I remember right. doing that then. A hundred. Yes. A hundred percent. And the interesting thing about gluten-free is these, these kind of like trendy, like pop culture words pop up and people go, Oh, okay. You know, like, oh, okay, I get it. Like you, you don't want to eat carbs or whatever. And it's like, no, like if you knew what comprised gluten now versus what comprised gluten probably 50 years ago, you wouldn't want to eat it either. It's all chemicals now. Like yeah. it's not even a real food. Um, and so that makes sense to me that, while I was thinking like something's wrong with me, like mentally, emotionally, like my body's trying to adapt to this ever changing like industrialization system we have with our food and it was already compromised. So I just love the clarity that I've gained on this side of the process and how that applies to our mental and spiritual health and alignment. Like we totally jack ourselves up because we don't have knowledge of what our body's doing with what we're putting in it. Yeah. You know what it, it signals to me is that you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. You are like, your body is reflecting. You are a super intuitive. You're here to help others because you can see them and yeah. your body is like super intuitive, super sensitive. Is like, uh, uh, don't put that in me. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. I think that it took me so long to see that and I haven't heard it articulated like that. Definitely wouldn't have been able to say it like that myself, but I think you're right. Um, you know, for the longest time, it's like, who are you to say that? Who are you to help people with that? Like, why do you think you know that? Well, I was living it, but even then I couldn't see that it was because I knew it, you know? Yeah. And, and for people who don't know what, let's just like give a little snippet. What does yeah. a candida cleanse look like? for 60 days. What, what are you eating? Yeah. So it really involves kind of like a, I'd say a three tier process. You, you cleanse, you, you detoxify and then you stabilize and then you rebuild your gut health. So candida, if you've got an overabundance of candida, that's showing up in a multiple multitude of ways, everything from your hair falling out to you feeling moody, to you having skin issues, to you having digestive distress, like there's the, the spectrum is huge. Um, so it's probable that you have it. Um, but if you've got it, you probably also have any number of other digestive issues going on. Think IBS, think, um, like small intestinal bacteria overgrowth, think, um, what is the, the catchphrase is leaky gut, but because of this overgrowth of bad bacteria, food is not breaking down the way it's supposed to break down. So what happens? I liken this to like a garbage dump, like, so what happens when you pile all this trash on top of it? it develops these mucky, gross, like gaseous piles of glunk. And that's exactly what I picture in, in the gut. And these gases are, you know, kind of spiking off along with all these like kind of projectiles. They tear holes in your gut lining. And then all of a sudden, all these toxins that were in your gut causing all these problems are leaking out into your bloodstream. 
So one of the ways my autoimmune disorder shows up is through um, a skin disorder. And I literally envision like bad food and bad bacteria coming out through the layers of my skin. Um, so that's kind of what happens. So in order to resolve that, you have to remove all of the foods that feed candida and bad bacteria. And that's primarily sugar and anything that is digested as a sugar. So anytime you eat a carbohydrate, even a lot of vegetables, unfortunately, it's, it turns into glucose. So you're, even if you're having like a salad, sometimes that can be turned into sugars in your body when you have this, you know, overgrowth of this stuff. So you remove all those foods and you have to eat something. So you replace it with foods that are cleansing. So I think um, it's a very short list. It's like apple cider vinegar. Most above ground grown green vegetables are okay. Um, and then, you know, clean, clean proteins and things like coconut oil, which are actually antibacterial. So they help the process along. Um, but I remember like, Oh, so, okay. So caffeine's a huge feeder of candida as well. So I've always been a co coffee addict, like always. And so that was very hard for me. Um, but you drink, you can drink small amounts of green tea. Matcha is actually really good for it because um, it can also help cleanse and restore gut health. So there are ways to kind of appease some of the restrictiveness, but you basically cut out all that stuff. Not basically you're eating nothing processed at all. Um, and then once you get to a place where you think that you've killed off the candida, then you have to restore the gut health. And that's primarily done through supplementation because a lot of the foods that have the vitamins, minerals, all these great things in them may kind of re-trigger the growth of the bacteria. So you have to kind of extract through quality supplementation, um, digestive enzymes. I use caprylic acid a lot go to like phytonutrients and like very clean green supplements, um, stuff like that. So then you rebuild and then you start testing out some of the foods that you've removed. So this reintroduction period starts and you have, you know, say mushrooms for three days straight and then you don't eat mushrooms for a day to see if you responded to them and bread or all these other things, right? So you kind of test each food out. It's a very long drawn out process if you do it by the book. And then you kind of develop this arsenal of, okay, I know that if I'm going to eat that, then I'm going to respond and it's going to take me three days to recover and I'm going to be bloated and inflamed for three days. So do I really want to do that? You know, you become a science experiment and your own best doctor. How has doing that taught you? Well, how's it made you who you are? Very evaluative. Like I'm not going to do anything on impulse. Um, and I'm going to make sure that what, you know, it goes back to your word out on purpose. Like I live on purpose because of the physical way that impulsivity showed up for me. Um, and I think also it has given me a wealth of knowledge when it comes to what certain foods do in certain bodies. And the only way to find that out is to experiment with your body. So I think it has helped me become a compassionate guide for that process with other people. Um, yeah. So evaluation, knowledge on purpose, intentional. I love you. You're so wise. I love you too. Thank you. 
I feel like we should wrap this baby up. So how can people learn more about you? Oh my gosh. So um, when you invited me to speak with you, I thought about my word give. And I actually want to give anybody who listens to this podcast a gift. I, I put together, I call it the Awarding Life Healthy Handbook. Um, but it's really like a snapshot. It's like scrape the surface of the different areas that we've talked about today of, okay, this might be how you address food if you want to make some changes. This might be how we address mindset. This might be how we address fitness. Um, and it's a, it's a really short, brief, like ebook. And um, I sell it on my website, but I'm going to give it to your listeners for free. They just go to awardinglife.com backslash awesome. Um, and you just enter your email address and then they get that there. So that's one way. Uh, social media is probably the best way to talk to me. The conversation, as you know, is the best way to get to what's best for you. So if any of this stuff has like tweaked a nerve or intrigued you or resonated with you, I'm Amanda J. Ward on Facebook, or you could go to Awarding Life, Awarding Life everywhere else. Love it. Thank you. We'll include everything in the show notes, including your generous offer. We'll just link it right up in the show notes. Awesome. So anything else you want to share? I am just very grateful for this opportunity. I think it's rare to find connections like you. Um, And I am just super excited that we've been able to extend this connection out in such a meaningful way. I think that you enhance my life and I appreciate you. Oh, you're so sweet. I feel the same way. I'm so grateful you're part of my tribe. Thank you. Thank you for being you. You are a bright light. Keep shining, sister. As are you. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to continue the conversation, please head over to Facebook and join the group Find Your Awesome with Kelsey Abbott. It's free. And if you want more than that, go to my website, kelseyabbott.com. And there you can sign up for my newsletter and get a series of free guided meditations. And I would really appreciate it if you could head over to the podcast app and leave a review of the Find Your Awesome podcast. Your reviews help other people learn about this podcast. Thank you so much. That's all I've got for you, friends. Go forth and be awesome. Awesome.